0: Hey guys, welcome to Catholic in America. Today, we're going to talk about one of the w- craziest and weirdest things that you can become in the modern world, becoming a Catholic priest. So come back and
1: find out why on earth this guy chose to do it.
0: All right, guys, welcome to Catholic in America. Um, I am Father Michael Nixon, I'm joined today by Father Doug Martin. And uh, today we've got a very special guest, Father Richard Graham, who is a recently ordained priest, ordained you're in your second year now. That's right. Yep. And uh, we're super excited to dig into some of these questions that, that the world, the internet wants to know why anyone would choose to be a Catholic priest. Inquiring
1: minds want to know. There's yep. the, the, fir- the, the first questions that someone asks when they get up in the morning are these questions that we're about to talk about right <laughs> Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh,
0: <laughs> it, yeah, if you guys could make sure to like, share, and subscribe to these videos, that helps us out. You can hit the little uh, bell button for the notifications. And uh, if we're on TikTok, I don't know what you do on TikTok. So yeah, uh, so like us, share us. I don't <laughs> well, know. G- good luck with that. So why don't we start off, Father Richard? Uh, didn't you, what? Why this man? Why, why a priest? How, how, how did you get? Did you grow up wanting to be a priest?
2: Yeah, so it's actually interesting. I did not grow up Catholic at all. Um, I, I grew up in the Southern Baptist uh, faith tradition. Um, I come from a long line of preachers on my mother's side of the family, um, and my dad was very active as a deacon in the church I grew up in, and uh, so priesthood was never a thought that crossed my mind growing up at all. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. I, uh, I did have a, an inkling as a child that I wanted, I remember telling my parents that I wanted to be a missionary, a football player, or a preacher, and I think just because that's what I was around as a child, and uh, it's kind of funny how the Lord kind of took that and ran with it in a different direction that I wasn't expecting. Um, but really, yeah, priesthood, I became Catholic in college, which is another story for another day, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, um, but around that same time, I, uh, I started encountering uh, these men who were priests. Um, there was a religious order as well on campus at the college I went to at Florida State, the Brotherhood of Hope. Going old. That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> They were wearing habits. They were wearing you know, these, these gray and black habits. And that was a very stark you know, difference uh, on a secular campus. Uh, And I started seeing these priests wearing black, you know, the black shirts and the white collar. And I was like, who are these guys? Because in my mind, priests growing up were, you know, old white Irishmen, not to disparage any of those guys. (laughs) We all know them and they're great. And they, um, yeah, but I I saw these young guys who were zealous. They loved what they did. They were a little rough around the edges. They weren't like these cookie cutter, like factory, you know, created priests. Um, But they were themselves and they, they just loved what they did. And. Uh, they were, I saw them on campus. I, I saw them at restaurants and at bars, even evangelizing. And I was like, interesting, interesting. And that's just kind of a concept that kind of grew in my mind. And really, the Lord used that that desire to check out more, uh, just to say, maybe I have something more in store for you. Uh, but ultimately, why I became a priest is I was called. I was called by the Lord. So
0: nice. I mean, because a lot of people don't even want to be religious anymore. We see a lot of uh, people who maybe grew up in the in church or no longer no longer, longer practicing their faith. So to take that step, that had to be something that, that, that was, was, was at least strange for people around you, people that you went to college with or grew up with in high school. And, and, and are they, are they surprised by, by this,
2: by this, uh, where where you ended up? Yeah, I think, uh, in some ways they're probably just as surprised as I was, if not more so. (laughs) Um, but yeah, a lot of my friends don't even practice the faith. The the people I went to church with growing up are, are not even religious anymore. Um, they kind of, they've forsaken God or they claim to be agnostic now. And, and, and it's to let alone being a priest, to be a Christian is a very countercultural thing today. Mm. Um, it's not what the world is, is trying to, uh, to, to sell us. And so, um, but yeah, family members, I, I have people who love me and my family and they support me for who I am. They have no idea why I'm a priest or why I would become <laughs> a priest. And it's, it's just a foreign concept to them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, Um, some friendships have probably been strained because of this but uh, we hear in the gospel that uh, the Lord tells us to to follow him and even though you may suffer hardship even within your own family um, Mm -hmm. fathers against sons sons against fathers Um, but thankfully I've got a great father and my, my dad has been very supportive of me in my vocation, in my life as well.
1: Yeah, did you have friends like when you were in college, or or even friends from high school, maybe that that maybe kind of tried to talk you out of it, out of this. Maybe not even, you know, maybe disparaging of it as well, but maybe tried to talk you out of it. Like, yeah. what are you
2: doing? Are you crazy? I mean. Did you have any of that? Yeah, I had quite a, a bit of that. Um, and in fact, it's always, it always comes back to the question of celibacy. Like, yeah. are you crazy? You want to give up a family? You don't yeah. want to have a wife and kids? Like, what's going yeah. on with that? And I was like, no, I really do want that. Right? <laughs> I want that. That's a desire that was within my heart. That's, I thought the plan that I had for my life, I was going to go to college, I was going to date, find a wife, and, and you know, establish a life together. Um, but the Lord had different plans, really. And he just uh, really just put this desire within my heart to follow him wherever that yeah. led. And I, I've tried to explain that to people, and a lot of people have understood. I've understood sure. that. Um, but some just can't get, get over the concept of of celibacy, of right, of forsaking marriage uh, for for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah. Right. Now, now they understood
1: that the call that you had on your life, maybe, and that that you were called by God, and, and they may even understand that you have to be celibate because uh, you know that's what it, what it means to be um, a priest is is you have to be celibate. But did, but did they understand why you had chosen to to come to where you were? Because most of your friends were probably not Catholic. Right. Um, did they understand why you even? decided to come to where you were and why this priesthood thing. I mean, you could just be a good Catholic
2: without sure. being a priest. I think one of the funny things is probably some of my Catholic friends that I grew up with were like the most uh, antagonistic when it came to me wanting to be a priest. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, a yeah, lot of my evangelical yeah. friends that I grew up with were like, oh, that's, they understand the call, right? When right. the Lord places a call on your heart, you follow that. And they, yeah. so they've, they've been very supportive. Yeah. Um but yeah, I've, I remember yeah friends that I grew up with and down, the, down the street from me, um, Catholic. I remember they, they invited me to mass. And my dad was like, no, you can't go to mass. You have to bring them to our church. And um, when I told them that I was becoming a priest, they were shocked because they had left the church, right? They, oh, they were no yeah. longer part of the church. And um, why would anyone want to do that, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the questions that does come up a lot. If you go out in the collar, um, you know, you you get the looks, if not the questions and other stuff. But but kind of um, maybe some people saying like, well, that's good for you. I'm glad you found that. Mm. But in the background, a lot of, you know, the, the Catholic Church, like it's so old fashioned. It's so archaic. It has so many problems. Got corruption. Um, yeah, all these sorts of things. Like in, in a sense, how have you now that you're kind of a living, breathing uh, symbol of that, you know, as a, a, <laughs> right. a, an, a billboard, whether you want to be or not, <laughs> right, yeah. of, of Catholicism? How, how how have you kind of engaged with those questions that people have, whether they're asking them
2: or not? Yeah, so it's been interesting. I we live in the Bible Belt, so you go out uh, wearing a Roman collar, you're going to get a lot of <laughs> a lot of looks and a lot of conversations. Um, and it's been it's been a great tool just to, to begin that door to open that door right to, to begin that conversation, um, and so I've gotten some questions like that, and and it's it allows me to share from my own perspective my own personal encounter with the, with Christ and His Church. Um, that's always the best route to go rather than to try to give the apologetic route. This is what the Catechism says, but no, it's a personal experience. What has been my experience in the Church? Hmm. Have there been people in the church who have done horrible things and have, have been broken? Absolutely. Have there been institutions within the church that have been led astray? Absolutely. Um, but what's going to revive the church and revive Christianity are people who are living out that call to be Christians, to be disciples of the Lord. And that includes priests as disciples uh, following him. So I've had some conversations about some of these topics, um, but it's been, uh, I, I've used the analogy a lot of people love sports, love games. Right. We play board games before and uh, play sports growing up. If there are no boundaries and if you go to one football field and they you know, it's 100 yards, you go to another football field, and it's 200 yards. It's not fun anymore. Right. And so that's a big hang up that people have with the church is that all these rules, are they abstract? But no, it's the church as a good mother, as mm-hmm. someone who is trying to facilitate that encounter with the Lord. There are those boundaries set up for our good. Right. And those and, and it's trying to understand it from that perspective rather than the church saying, no, you can't do this or you can't do that. Well, one of the things that um,
0: when people see you, I don't, I don't know if they often say this, like, you don't look like a priest. Um, I mean, I don't know whatever the image you that people think, yeah. might have. Do, do, you, do you get that? Ever? Yeah, I,
2: um, I was actually at a homeless shelter once and uh, they had the call for everybody to come to the food line. And one of the, the people working at the shelter came up to me and said, it's, it's time to get in the line now. You know, he <laughs> thought I was one of the of the clients. <laughs> there. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah. 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 Well, I don't know what a priest looks like. You know, in, in my yeah. mind as a child yeah. and as a teenager growing up, Again, I thought priests were all older Irishmen because that's what Hollywood kind of paints it as. But um, that's something, a joy of, of joining the presbyter, joining the priests in this diocese, that we're all very different. We yeah. are all very different. We all come from different backgrounds, um, different, even from different countries. Right. And so what does a priest look like? It looks like a man who wants to lay down his life uh, mm-hmm. and become a brother and yeah. become a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, I love that. And the fact, nice. too,
0: that you. you uh, yeah. Also ride a motorcycle. You, you ride a Harley too. Yes. I think. I mean, yeah. has that you know? Because I've uh, just the other night got, got a got a hospital call. Yeah. Father Richard takes the call. You know, to someone who's who's dying, to bring the anointing of the sick and the last rites. So he hops on his Harley and and and, and, and goes <laughs> yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, is that something that that's that's drawn looks or questions or? It or abs- uh,
2: it's been a, it's been another way to open that door for conversation. Um, maybe it makes me a little bit more approachable and. Um, people like I've never seen a priest do that before. And, and maybe there's just that Avenue. Um, that was one of the things that I was thinking about getting the Harley. I just also really wanted to ride a motorcycle because right, right. motorcycles are pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, been a good tool for evangelization. Um, and if, if one thing I accomplish in my, you know, my priesthood is to normalize what I, what I'm doing and to normalize these kind of conversations, uh, then praise God, you know? Yeah. So you go to the Harley dealership. Why do you want it? I want to evangelize. What? Yeah, that's why, yeah. That's why you own the Harley. I remember, you know? I remember telling yeah. the guy that sold me the bike that I was a priest, and he was just fascinated by that idea. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, are you going for the Harley next? Are you I, no, get I'm not so. going for
2: the Harley next. I
1: think
0: I'm good. Yeah. They have the trikes I mean, what, too. They have yeah. the
1: Harley trikes. I could I do the trike. Okay. I mean, I <laughs> could do that. Yeah. I don't think I'm big on the Harley though. Like, yeah, the yeah. Har-
0: the, the <laughs> Schwinn maybe with yeah. the bas- <laughs> little basketball. A little basketball. That's more my speed. The little streamers,
1: ring, ring. Yeah. Did you? I mean, when you were when you were coming into this, I'm sure you had lots of questions coming into it. I mean, you know, that's what seminary is, is discernment. And so you have things, even before you approach seminary, there's some discernment that happens before you get there. Mm-hmm. And so you know, what were some of those questions for you? What was was the question you know, was the question about the church being old and somewhat seeming out of touch mm-hmm. and somewhat are even archaic to a certain extent, this this whole ancient side of the church and not necessarily the pretty ancient side. You know, we can think about yeah. Notre Dame, you know, and we can think about all mm. these cathedrals and these things, and people still think those things are cool. But maybe the uncool things, you know, the things that aren't so, that people actually
2: criticize us for. How did you deal with those kinds of things? Yeah, so around the time that I was, you know, meeting these younger priests and having that those ideas running through my mind of maybe I could do this with my life, um, that was right on the tails of my becoming Catholic. So yeah. I had wrestled with some of these questions already. Um, and for me, yeah, the, the fact that the church is ancient is a beautiful thing, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, these, uh, there's a, a long and, and a deep history uh, with the church. Um, but again, going off the coattails of my own conversion, recognizing my own brokenness and that Jesus wants to meet me there, uh, that you know, recognizing the Lord has had so much mercy upon my soul and my heart, which I don't deserve at all. Um, has allowed me to be more merciful with those people uh, who have made terrible mistakes, right? And we don't want to perpetuate any of those mistakes, and they need to be rooted out, right? We need to, it's like any good, any infection, a good doctor is going to say, we need to root out all that infection. It's the same in the church. Wherever there's infection and there's disease, we need to cleanse that, right? Yeah. To purify that, because the church is supposed to be that unblemished, you know, bride of Christ, uh, and and any damage to that is, uh damages the the witness of the church. And Mm so, um, but I, you know, I've, I've, you know, in my time in seminary, in my time, I spent seven years in seminary formation before I was ordained a priest. Um, I've met a lot of great men from across the country. uh, And I say, I, I really do believe that the church is in really good hands. There's a great generation of young men uh, who um, no one forced them to become priests. This yeah. wasn't, they weren't backing uh, into this profession because every, they exhausted all their other uh, options or opportunities. Wait, that's not how you guys did <laughs> uh, that? that was, well, yeah. Um, but these are guys who made that countercultural decision hmm. to say, yes, I want to give my life to this, even in the midst of all the brokenness that has happened, you know, that's, that's been published on the news and all that. Um, to me, that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes.
0: Yeah, because I think that that's one of the things that probably all of us, See and experience is recognizing the sex abuse scandal in, in the Catholic Church, the abuse of minors and, and a, a vulnerable people. How horrific that is, particularly when it, when it happens as a minister, particularly when it happens or when a priest does it. Um, the cover-ups, all those sorts of things. That it's 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 probably it's. And I know for a lot of people, that's why they left the church. Yeah. And, and in a sense, when someone brings that to me, I don't know about you guys, what your response is, but but if someone says like, well, I left the church because of that." My response is usually, that's a very good reason. Yep. You know, and, and, I, and I, I feel that pain and, 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 yeah. I'm, and I'm not I'm not staying in the church because I think, oh, well, it wasn't that bad or any sort of nonsense right. like that. It's it's, it's recognizing, that, as you said, like God is still doing something amazing here. His mercy is still working in and through his church in spite of, of, of oftentimes. Yeah. And of, even with
2: those, those situations that I've had, those conversations, that's a great opportunity for me, like as a representative of the church to apologize and to listen yep and to be with them in the midst of that suffering, um, not, not with the primary focus of, I wanna get you back in the pews, but I want to make sure that you're okay uh, yeah. to, mm. to be with them in the midst of their, their pain and their sorrow. Uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, you know, one of the father of uh, televangelism mm. in, in America, yeah. uh, he We got he his had, picture back here, Yeah, okay, so. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he wrote a yeah. book and, and, and there's a, a chapter on being a victim priest yeah and uh, sometimes that involves carrying the sins of your brothers who are long gone right, right. And, mm. and carrying that accusation and those glances and those looks um, and and I can I feel like've I've had some of that and I'm sure there will be more but I, I can do that because I love I, my my motivation is love for those people, especially those right. who have been hurt by the church and right. and to help bring them that healing power of Christ uh, even there yeah you know when when I first
1: um, was, was ordained a priest. It wasn't too long after that. We had a lady that came into the office there and she wanted to talk to a priest, and I happened to be the one that was there. And so she came in and, for, for a good hour and a half, um, really let me have it and, and, you know, cursing me out, all those kinds of things. And there was at some point when she was saying these things, at first I was kind of trying to to help her, you know, process it. But I knew at some point there was there was no good. I mean, I couldn't do that. And so I just sat there and listened and just let her beat on me. And I think part of it that helped her to be able to say that and to get everything she wanted to say Mm. out. And at the end of it, the only response I had to her was, was, you know, on behalf of the church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this happened to you and I'm sorry yeah. that this was something that you experienced in your life. And so, I, I mean, I do. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of our role and, and I can understand why that's not an appealing part of our role yeah. for some people. I mean, pe- people who are considering the priesthood, if you hear something like that, you may say, yeah, I don't want to part of that. Right. I don't I want someone to come mm-hmm. into my office or, or, or see me on the street because it could have very easily happened in a restaurant. It could have happened mm-hmm. me walking down the street, going into a movie theater, whatever it is. And so that, that it even happened at all is a, is a, you know, is not the, you know, it's not the the thing that I wish for. I hope that that people come up to me, but I do, when I do pray, I do pray, Lord, make me a healing instrument of your peace. Mm. And that's what being a healing instrument of your peace, of his peace is. And so when, when you thought about this, when you were uh, coming in and and became a priest, were, were those kind of experiences, I mean, I know, you can't really prepare yourself for those things, mm. but but were those kind of things in your mind? And were you like, oh, I don't know? I mean, did it kind of make you wince back a little bit? Yeah,
2: it it, it was definitely there. Yeah, those were. I was like, <laughs> am I setting myself up for failure here, right. entering into this? Um, but really, it in prayer and in spiritual direction, right? I met with a, a priest before, a beloved Monsignor Tugwell, who's mm-hmm. a now retired priest of the diocese, uh, meeting with him before entering uh, seminary. Um, just asking him these questions and, sh- you know, praying with this and sharing with him my struggles and him giving me his wisdom from his years of service to the church um, was helpful there. Um, but ultimately, it came down to the fact that I have to be living a holy life no matter what, right? And if I'm striving for holiness, right, Jesus says the way is narrow and you're going to you're gonna suffer, uh, you know, accusations. You're going to suffer um, people being mad at you. You're going to have to carry all that. Um, that's okay because I've done the same, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's part of the identity of the priest of being in persona Christi, um, not because I have earned that, but because that's a great gift of the priesthood um, that I can walk into the situations just like Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus walked into those places where they yelled at him, where they were mad at him, uh, where the elite you know, uh, had you know, planned all these things against him. And, um, but he, he wanted to be with the people to heal them. and to, Especially you know, if you read the gospels, it's people yeah. at their lowest moments. People mm-hmm. who have been offended by others have been hurt by others. Sure. And that's where Jesus wants to be. And so I see the priesthood as a great invitation to participate in the life of Christ in those moments. Yeah. I
0: think the biggest, the, the biggest thing that comes up if anyone hears you're a priest, you're going to become a priest, or thinking about it, is not having sex. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that, that's the, right. you know, se- the call of celibacy, yeah. living that out. How How is that something that, that you, you, you process, dealt with um, even now as a priest? How, how, how are you striving to live that
2: out? Yeah, I, I remember. Did they tell you about this? Yeah, it went like <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> you are like, right. "Oh, by the way, yeah. Yeah. yeah." and that's the thing. You know, people ask that question. Like, don't you know about that? It? It's like, no, I'm choosing. Like, I'm choosing this, right? I'm not being duped by anybody. I'm not being duped by the church. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah we, it's a big yeah, it's we gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's yeah. a it's a big question. Um, and uh, you know, I think first of all, we live in such a sexualized culture, um, and. You know that that's always at the forefront of everybody's everybody's mind that if you're if you're going against the current, uh, something's wrong or something strange. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always come back to the the fact that if marriage wasn't a good thing, then celibacy wouldn't be a good thing either, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's not celibacy for the it's not not forsaking marriage because marriage is something less than or or marriage is something that's tainted or dirty, but it's recognizing that it's a true good and and sometimes we're called to fast from good things, right? And, and it's also celibacy is not just the simple pragmatic uh, exercise either. It's not just, you know, you, sometimes you probably have heard that, that, you know, priests are celibate so they can take those calls in the middle of the night. Um, and that, I mean, I'm sure there's a, a practical aspect of that, but that's not the, the reason for it. But celibacy is really of, of showing, to peop- showing people that there is something other than this life. There's someone other than, you know, there's someone completely other than us who is God, right? And that's something that's lived out radically uh, in our religious uh, brothers and sisters, monks and nuns, um, and uh, the order of virgins in the church as well, uh, showing that, uh, really showing that this is how we're going to be in the kingdom of God and living that out as a sign of that heavenly reality here on this earth. It's really a bringing, trying to bring uh, that heavenly reality here to this earth. Is it hard? Yeah, it can be hard. (laughs) Is marriage hard? Absolutely, (laughs) right? Um, So it's it's not a it's not a cop out and it's not someone, you know, tricking us into to forsaking something. Um, but it's uh, it's recognizing marriage as a good and holding up celibacy as another reality that God uh, calls some people to to really affect into this world, that kingdom of heaven.
0: Yeah. And, and, and recognizing too that every single man is called created by God to mm. be a husband and a father yeah. and how we live that out is, is, is in different ways. And obviously mm. a celibate priest is called, you're called to be a husband, to be, to be a husband for the church and a father to right. her children, you know, that you're right. called to, to live your life that way. Mm. And when, when you're living that faithfully, it's awesome. And, and yeah. I, I could say that as, as a priest too, when I'm, when I'm living it well, and I'm, 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 you know, doing what God's calling me to do—it's—it's it's beautiful. It's yeah. fulfilling. It's amazing. When I'm not, when I'm when I'm living selfishly or for myself, man, that—that's—that's that's where so many of the problems, um, problems yeah. definitely come in.
1: Well, and in this and you know, to to even go even further with with celibacy itself, especially for. Uh, the the benefits that the church reap from that is is the sacrifice that's being made there. I mean, we we all know that love is sacrifice. There's no love without sacrifice. And so the sacrifice that celibate men make to be priests in the church cannot be replaced. It, mm. It's just mm. not something that that we can just take away. And right. so and and also if we do take it away, it comes at a price. Mm. And so I, I really do believe that that the celibacy of the, of the priesthood is is not just like you said. It's not optional. It's not like, oh, well, it just works. Or, you know, oh, well, there were the abuses in the past. And we don't want those to come back. I now, mean, all those are, are kind of reasons. But but actually, the idea of celibacy and why it's there, that the sacrifice that's being made for the kingdom is, is such an, an empowering sacrifice for the yep. church that without it, the church would suffer. And right. so I, I do think it's a very beautiful and important part of the church.
2: And there has to be every effort by priests to not just have it be another bachelor lifestyle, right? right. Because that's not what it's called to be. Um, if there isn't that sacrifice, if there isn't that, right, that generativity of of, um, of fatherhood, of being a spiritual father, um, then it just, it can turn easily into just another bachelor bachelor lifestyle, right? And that's not not what we're called to be. Right
0: I think I think most people's experience first experience of the uh, of the priesthood first images of the priest or maybe their most powerful images Come from exorcism movies. Let's be honest. Movies yeah. about exorcisms. Yeah. So, so that, that's probably something. I, I don't know if that's something that, that, that's come up for you. Um, if if you ever thought about, you know, maybe maybe not growing up Catholic, that might have been the first time you ever saw a priest on yeah. film or something. But um, <laughs> has, that, has, that, has that been something that that that's come up? You know, uh, uh, doing battle against the devil and, and and that kind of life was that something yeah. that was attractive to you? And what has it been now a, a year plus into your into being a priest?
2: You know, I've. Honestly, I've been a little afraid of those movies. <laughs> I, try not, I try not to watch them too much. You know, recognizing yeah. that's a very yeah. real thing. I don't like yeah. to tempt, the, uh, tempt any of that. Um, but yeah, that's people have a fascination with that. And yeah, I see my life as a, as a Christian, as a disciple, but also as a priest, as doing battle against Satan and, the evil, and his evil spirits to prowl about this world um, and bringing about the kingdom of heaven, uh, affecting that through the sacraments, through preaching, through uh, sharing the gospel, through walking with people, Um, and there's, you know, people ask, they always ask you, have you ever had to do an exorcism? Well, no, not in the sense of the major exorcism, but there have been times you get called to places, and and people are going through stuff that they need to be delivered from, and um, to be able to walk in there confidently, knowing that I am a beloved son of the Father, that I have been ordained as a priest for this, right, Mm -hmm. and that Jesus is here with me in the midst of that. I've been able to walk in there without, like, like I'm walking on glass or anything, you know, but knowing that Jesus has already won the victory, uh, that Satan has no no uh, authority here um, and and just bringing that authority of Christ to those situations. Uh, and so people, yeah, they're, they're fascinated with that. Uh, so I get to share, I don't share all the details, but I get right. to share a little bit of that, right? That, yeah, that's, that's a reality of being a priest, right? People are gonna call you when things, you know, are uh, spooky in the middle of the night or things are going around the house and they're very real things for them. And they're very, yeah, they're, they're evil is real. Satan is real and he hates us. And he's going to, he's working an overdrive to, to try to claim us, but to recognize that we all through our own baptismal um, authority that has been given to us have authority over that and, and that priestly authority to walk in there, to bring the power of Christ uh, to, to cast out all, all darkness and all evil. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a privilege to, to be able to do that. You know, we, we've already been talking about some
1: challenging things and things that that people bring to us that should mm-hmm. be a challenge to us. Why? Why you would want to be a priest. Yeah. And then we've talked you know a little bit about, you know, about celibacy and, and even exorcism and other things that may be. So, so what have you found in, in your own priesthood and even before mm-hmm. you became a priest? What what was the biggest challenge in, in coming to be, in, to becoming a priest? And then what's been your biggest challenge after becoming a priest?
2: Yeah. Walking in, you know, preparing for, you know, ordination to the diaconate, you ordained as a deacon before you ordained a priest. I was really uh, caught up with one of the line of questioning in the rite itself. um, Are you prepared to take this up for your salvation and the salvation of souls? So primarily seeing all of our vocations as for primarily for my holiness, right, to help pursue holiness. Um, And that, yeah, of course, that's going to have its challenges. Um, I think, yeah, one of my biggest challenges uh, in the seminary was, uh, recognizing all those romantic, romantic visions of the church that I had were completely probably crushed within like three days of arriving <laughs> to seminary and recognizing, oh, these are people too who are broken just like me, um, and facing that in some some very difficult ways um, institutionally. But um, but recognizing that this is what the church, the disciples, they faced this in the early church. Uh, they faced this throughout the medieval ages of the church. They're facing it now. This is nothing new, right? right. Um, but Saints are called to, to, to raise, be raised up in every generation, no matter what the hardships are. Um, and so that's the great clear on call now is for us to all be saints um, in the midst of those challenges. Um, but specifically, yeah, just uh, certain challenges at the seminary that I was assigned to and uh, challenges with uh, some of the administration there um, wasn't the most fun, but I'm glad I went through it. It, it helped sure. me. Um, I'm glad those romantic visions were kind of you know, cast down immediately, right. so that it could be a true experience of, do I really want this, and is the Lord really calling me to this? Now, after priesthood, I think I can answer it. You've had to work
1: with him. Yeah, I know. So yeah. This yeah. is the, it's the most calling. challenging yeah, part, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you consider your most challenging yeah. part afterwards?
2: You know, it's a cha- it's both a challenge and a gift. But you get called into very you know, very sad situations often, and um, and some days you know, or some weeks, you can in the week, and be like, where's the good news this week, right? You know, I've been called to. You know, anoint six people in the hospital who are dying. You know, I've had some very, you know, sad situations going to those who have lost children, you know, uh, children who have died in the hospital. And that's that's it's heartbreaking and heart wrenching. And so that's a huge challenge. Like, you know, it can it can kind of overwhelm you or overtake you at times. But at the same time, it's a gift that yeah. I'm being invited into that room. I'm being invited into that situation. And it's really not me. They want Jesus there. And I get to participate in that. Um, and it, it's built some really great relationships with people. When you walk with people in the midst of their suffering, uh, it builds good relationships and you grow closer. Um, and so it's been a challenge, but it's been a gift. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of different challenges too. I mean, working with this guy is probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's the that's greatest of all. Top, one. On top <laughs> five. Yeah. So, so, with that, because
0: uh, our, our last question will be about the challenges facing the church today, which, yeah. and um, so that, that's for all of us. But what, what's been the greatest joy of being a priest? Yeah. Uh,
2: Man, yeah, greatest joy. You know, I've, I've sat in a lot of, uh, hours of confession. I think my first, my first weekend here at the parish, I went off with our, our teens up to Steubenville, Atlanta. And, um, I think I'd probably heard maybe 30 minutes of confessions before that. Then I go up to Atlanta, I sit and hear, you know, 15 hours of confession and (laughs) confessions (laughs) in one weekend. Um, but really, you know, Yeah. yeah, it's a privilege and it's a joy to bring the healing power of Christ and forgiveness and his mercy to people. Um, and it's again, they're they're seeking Jesus. They're not seeking Richard Graham We're right. seeking Jesus Christ. And the Lord is like, but I want you to be there, too. I want you to experience this. So my own heart has been formed and, and broken and and, you know, melted in that confessional. Um, and it's called me to a greater sense of holiness and conversion in my own life. Uh, but to be able to say those words of absolution, especially for people who have been away for a very, very long time, is a, mm. it's a gift, a great gift and um, something I don't. I hope I never will, and I don't think I ever will take for granted.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, looking, at, looking ahead, you know, looking ahead and looking at not just your own experience, but the church itself, with all the challenges of this world, uh, these, these, these negative connotations that people have about the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, the uh, priests, and other stuff. What do you think is maybe the greatest challenge that's facing mm-hmm. the church today, and how maybe we can, can start to, to respond to that? And so maybe even just a small way.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you often hear about the church's hemorrhaging numbers, right? And young people, especially, uh, who have left the, the church or who claim uh, that they belong to none, the none category, N-O-N-E, uh, of not having any faith background at all. Um, and That's it's a present reality, you know, um, and I think the answer to that is really just to live our lives radically for Christ, right? To, to promote the gospel in the most radical way because the gospel itself is radical, um, but we just have to believe that um, and we have to show to people that God is real, that God loves them. Um, and we're not gonna, that doesn't begin with a, an apologetic or a philosophical argument. You know, that, that plays its role at times, right? Um, but that begins with that relationship with those people to be able to be a church that's missionary. Pope Francis calls us to be an outward facing church, uh, to go out to the peripheries. And I think right now the peripheries aren't just, you know, the, the classical peripheries that we've always understood that to be of the homeless and the, the sick and the poor, the marginalized. They are for sure, but we have young people living in an affluent society who are now on the periphery of faith, right? They, they have Mm -hmm. rejected God. They've rejected the church. um, And those are the people that we're called to go out to and accompany and walk with. So if I could ask one last question, so, so someone's watching right now Mm -hmm. and they're,
1: they're not necessarily thinking about becoming a priest. They're a young guy or, you know, and and maybe they're in college or uh, maybe they're thinking about their next step in life and, and they're not necessarily thinking about becoming a priest or maybe they are, maybe they're like, I don't know if God's calling me to that or not. What, what, what would be something that you would say to them to kind of encourage them in the
2: way that they're thinking, at least? Yeah, I would say, uh, don't tempt the Lord. <laughs> right in Jeremiah, you duped me, O oh Lord. No, you, the Lord didn't dupe me, but uh, don't shut anything out, right? Don't, don't close off any doors. You never know what the Lord has in store. I never thought I'd be a priest, really. Mm-hmm. Had no inkling at all. Uh, never thought I'd be Catholic, right? Um, but I, I saw something in people where there was a great joy in these priests that I met, there was a great zeal, and I wanted that. I didn't know that I wanted to be a priest, but I wanted that. And um, and so I would say to those who are thinking about the priesthood, or you know, maybe watching today and thinking about you know what they want to do with their life, the Lord wants you to be happy. He wants you to be full of joy, and don't shut off any avenues. Uh, for that, you know, not even the priesthood, because this is a joyful life, right? There's many sorrows and challenges, um, but this has been the best decision I've ever made, right? And I'm, I'm very Perhaps. happy. Uh, there's countless numbers of studies out there um, by secular institutions as well as religious institutions saying uh, that those who are in the clergy or have the the highest, you know, percentage of job fulfillment or that are happy in, in what they do. Um, and I believe that's true because it's it's a life lived with the Lord uh, who wants my good, He wants my conversion, and He wants my happiness, and um, yeah, yeah awesome. it's beautiful. Thank you, Father
0: Richard Graham. Thank yeah. you for being a good priest, man. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's uh, thank you for sharing with us and, and and a bit of your story and your heart. And uh, it's really awesome to see and and just awesome to see just. the the amazing man of God that you are. So just want to thank Father Richard. I want to thank Father Doug. And uh, just uh, thank you all for watching. Thank you guys for for supporting us, those who support us on Patreon. Um, If you like this content that we're sharing here, uh, that's that's one of the best ways to directly support that. Liking and sharing and subscribing. um, uh, uh, These videos really helps us as well. But until next time, we'll see you here at Catholic in America. God bless.